So last week, um, thank you, Nikki, for, for sharing that. Because we looked last week that um, our job, our role, is to scatter the seed, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It is not up to us who's receptive and who's not, what soil it, it falls on. But we're to be faithful in the task, and we get to be involved in that mission, don't we? That's our purpose. Isn't that great? It doesn't need us, but God uses us. And so those little seeds that we scatter each and every day, however small it may be, whatever part of the gospel it may be, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen. God's kingdom, his reign through his people over his place is coming, and it is growing. It's here. It's here. It's growing, and it was getting bigger. It's the same thing. It's growing, isn't it? Um, And one day, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We pray they do before it's too late. Amen. God uses us to scatter the seed. So on a human level, that is our purpose. That is our commission. When we're not sure what we're doing in life, we know we have one purpose that never changes, and that is to sow the seed. Yeah, the good news of Jesus Christ in how you live and in word. No matter what's happening in life, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter how, what you're thinking about the future, where, where, where you are now, where you are rooted now, is where you're to do that. Isn't that great? Isn't that a great comfort? But we see in the, in the parable of the sower that we looked at last week, parable of the soils, that those that fall on good soil... And the seed falls on good soil, and we pray that we are good soil, don't we? That we see fruit of 30, 60, 100 times. We see many people come to know the Lord through us as the good soil. But, but, it doesn't always seem like that reality for us today, does it? How fruitful have I been? How fruitful have we been? We said we've, we have baptised many people in the life of Oikos, but in the last few years, it has been slower going. Let's be honest, it has, hasn't it? Less baptisms. We haven't seen that fruit of 30, 60, 100-fold growth that we would love to see. So is it worth it? Do we continue? Do we carry on doing what we're doing? Well, we held a conference here a few years ago, um, and the SOMA guys that we're affiliated to came over and did a brilliant, brilliant conference um, and, and about how to make disciples, and it was wonderful, and it was absolutely brilliant. But a guy at the end um, was just, I think he'd had a hard time of things, and he just, not from Soma, but was at the conference, and he just shared, he said, look, I've been in Birmingham for 10 years now in a Muslim area. I've not seen anyone come to faith. I've seen no fruit. What do I do? Do I carry on? He was really, really broken and upset about it. Similarly, we see stories like this of William Carey, many of you may be familiar with. He laboured in India for seven years before he even saw one convert. But he said this. The future is as bright as the promise of God and expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. One convert in seven years. This guy, Adoniram Judson, similar time. He laboured in Burma, modern-day Myanmar, for seven years before seeing his first convert, and he would die disappointed seeing little fruit. But he said this, In spite of sorrows, loss and pain, our course be onward still, we sow on uh, Burma's barren plain, we reap on Zion's hill. 
These were good guys. These were good soil guys, people that loved the Lord and were faithful in sharing the gospel, and yet they didn't see 30, 60, 100 times growth in their lives, in, in, in their ministries. And there are many in history who have faithfully labored and kept going, kept sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, and they didn't see anyone come to faith. Maybe we feel a little bit like that at times in our Christian life. What fruit have we seen? What fruit have I seen? Well, just like them, I think that today we can be inspired by a little lamp, a bunch of seeds, and one small mustard seed. Because today we're going to see, there's three parables that we're going to look at now, that we're going to read now. Each reinforce the meaning of the parable of the soil, the parable of the sower, the parable of the seed. And each one makes one point to give us a reason why we can have every confidence that Jesus is saving people and will save people. Three reasons why you can be confident that people come to know Jesus. So before we get to that, let's actually read the Bible. Mark chapter 4, verses 21 to 34. It's on page 1006 of the Church Bibles. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put in, to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? Whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. And whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let, him, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. Though he does not know how, all by itself, the soil produces corn. First the stalk, then the ear, and then the full grain in the ear. As soon as the corn, is, uh, the corn is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? What parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With, the, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as, as much as they could understand did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. Father God, we pray that our time together now would be fruitful, that we would hear from you, that your words would flow from me, and anything that is not from you, Lord, would just fall away by the wayside. Pray that we would have receptive ears, that we would be people that have ears, and that we would, be, that we would hear. We would hear what you want us to obey today. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So simply three reasons why we can have confidence that people will come to know Jesus because firstly, Jesus' light cannot be quenched. In verses 21 to 25, Jesus' light cannot be quenched. Well, he said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? He said, don't you put it on its stand? Interestingly, this, the literal translation of that, do you bring in a lamp, is actually the phrase, comes the lamp. This is 
a reference to Jesus having come as the light of the world, the light into the world, the light of men, the true light. All that is in John's gospel. He has come to shine light in a dark place. And isn't it what, what, what Jesus says? Isn't it ridiculous to put a lamp light under a shade? It's meant to go up high for maximum effect, isn't it? And this is what God has done in making himself known through Jesus. He's brought light into the world, into this dark world that we're part of. Now, has anyone watched uh, Dirty Dancing? Anyone confess to watching that? Thank you, Kenny. I know it's in your top ten. Well, this is going to be lost on people, but my favourite line from that is, nobody puts baby in the corner. Have you seen that? Come on, everyone's nodding now. Yeah, we know that line, don't we? Well, nobody puts Jesus under a bowl or a bed, surely. Thank you. (laughs) God did not send Jesus to remain hidden. God did not send Jesus to remain hidden. Although we know for now the light may feel that it's hidden in certain areas, certain cultures, it feels hidden, doesn't it? It feels dimmed. But one day, everyone, the whole world will see the glorious might of Jesus Christ. What is hidden will be made known across all the nations. It cannot be stopped. He is the light. It cannot be quenched. It cannot be dimmed. interesting isn't it that we've seen so far in mark's gospel the scribes starting to hate dislike him more and more haven't they but what, ha- what happens when light gets shine onto the darkness when light shines on our sin do we like it we don't do we look at the scribes the scribes um, hated jesus because he was shining light on them he revealing who he truly was and what the scriptures truly say and what did they do they tried to they put him to death they didn't even try they did they put him to death but did that stop him the light just shone stronger. It shone stronger. It now resides in each and every one of us. We know and love Jesus. His light is in us. And we get to be beacons of light for him in this dark world. I think in our workplaces, in our homes, with our families, we go wherever we go, we go with the light of the world inside us. We get to be light in a dark place. And just think about um, the 31st of October, Halloween, and in our culture, in our country, Halloween, well, it used to be, obviously, um, a different kind of um, celebration, but now it's a celebration of darkness and all that is evil. And yet, on that darkest of night, what happens when something is pitch black and you have a little light? What happens? It shines brighter, doesn't it? So on the 31st of October, we have an opportunity as believers to be light. We have glow sticks to give out to people and say, when they say trick-or-treat, you say, Here's a glow stick. I want to tell you that Jesus is the light of the world. You don't need to celebrate darkness. I want to celebrate light, not darkness. Or trick or treat. Here's a Mark's gospel. You're going to find, or John's gospel, you're going to find the light of the world in there. His light cannot be quenched. And where we go, we take that light with us. Isn't that encouraging? It cannot be quenched, but where we go, we take it with us. So thousands of people, praise the Lord, thousands of people in this city tomorrow will go into their workplaces, their homes, um, their families, their communities as light. With a brilliant opportunity to show and share that light with people around them. I don't know about you, I used to love watching Through the Keyholes. Anyone ever watched that? 
brilliant. The, the new one's a little bit more risque, but the old one, safe. David, David Frost, I think, with um, Lloyd Grossman, where you go, David, it's over to you. Basically, it's, I'll tell you what, no one, I'm showing my age now, aren't I? Um, <laughs> thank, thank you. But through the keyhole, where um, <laughs> Nicky's not got a clue, great. Um, <laughs> look forward to watching this with you on, on catch-up. Um, so through the keyhole was, is where um, it's a game show where a celebrity... Um, is um, a celebrity's home is looked at, okay, and the cameras go around it, they have a look and try and give clues to some Z-list celebrities in the studio for them to guess whose celebrity home it is. Do we get, do we get the idea through the keyhole? And so they, they have to guess based off clues. So some of the clues might be some of the memorabilia that they have. Basically, what, what they're passionate about, their hobbies are all shown in that. And I wonder, got me thinking, if they were to come and do something like a through the keyhole at my house for any reason. I don't think they probably would do. Thank you. Can you do it on a Monday once we've cleaned it? That would be perfect. Um, but I wonder if they would be able to see that Jesus is the light of the world in my house. Would they be able to do the same for yours? We have an opportunity. Our homes are great places to gather people into, aren't they? People come into our homes all the time. Do they see that Jesus is the light of the world, or do we hide in our Bibles and our books underneath our bed, out of the way? Is Jesus hidden or is he shining brightly in your homes? Be confident. His light cannot be quenched. It can't be quenched in you if you know and love him. But we can dim it ourselves, can't we? Let's put the dimmer switch on full. Secondly, uh, we can have confidence that people will come to know Jesus because his kingdom will grow with or without you. Kingdom will grow with or without you. Verses 26 to 29. He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, and night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts it to the sickle, because the harvest has come. Now, this is the only unique parable to Mark in Mark's gospel. We looked at last week the parable of the sow, and we saw the importance of sowing and spreading the gospel for us to do that. But here, this week, this parable focuses on the power of the seed itself, the seed that is scattered. The word of God has within it the power of its own success. The word of God has within it the power of its own success. Basically, we let the word loose. We watch it do the work. How great is that? Let it out there. Off you go. Do your work, God. Sort it out. Well, firstly, we see in this, um, this parable, there is a mystery to the growth of the gospel. In verses 26 to 27. It says, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. He doesn't know how it does it, but it just happens. And I love this in James um, James's letter, he says this, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save you. Uh, uh, to save you. Humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save you. Receive it. It's able to save you. Just give it to somebody. It's able to save them. Show them the word of God. Paul says this in his letters to the Corinthians. He says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Plant the word, guys. 
We pray in receptive soil and watch it grow. Simple as that. Well, a few of us were at a conference on Wednesday um, at the new Church of England headquarters. Very, very nice. Apart from it is a bit of a building site at the moment, but other than that, it is going to be very, very nice. But um, in about 2015, they did their first um, data research, and they've done it again this year in 2022. And they've done it with several other organizations, and they wanted to to capture some um, real-time, up-to-date, large research based in the UK alone. What do people think of Christians? What do people, what do people think about evangelism? What do, what do Christians think about how they came to faith? All, a whole range of things, and it was brilliant. Well, Talking Jesus, I recommend having a look. The website's fantastic. All the data's on there. But it was really, really um, inspiring, actually. And one thing they, um, they asked was, how do people come to follow Jesus for themselves? How do people come on the board? How do people come to follow Jesus for themselves? What do you think the top two answers were? Now, this is not a rhetorical question. This is shout-out time. What do you think? Sam, you can't shout because I did this test with you. Um, how do people come to follow Jesus for themselves? So what do Christians, when they ask Christians, a sample of Christians, what do you think the top two ways in which people come to faith? Yes. Thank you, Luke. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, indeed. Get to a friend. Keep going. Word of God, study the Bible. Family, okay. So, um, I don't, I hope, can you see this on the screen? Good. So, number one, growing up in a Christian family. So, 34% of Christians they asked um, came to faith through growing up in a Christian home where the Word of God was open. Secondly, 24% was reading the Bible. Again, the word of God being opened and shared. It's the power of the word of God, guys. It's the power of the word of God. Now, I'm not saying that we don't come up with good evangelistic events. I'm not saying that we don't disciple people really, really well. I'm not saying any of that. Those things are important. But what we can see, what we do know, is it's the power of the word of God that saves when it's opened in your homes, or when you open it with a brother or a sister in Christ, getting people to the word of God is what? Allow the, wor- allow the word to work on them. Allow the Lord to do his work. Isn't that encouraging? Not down to us. Not down to our techniques, the best, 
the best will in the world, it is down to the word of God. Is there somebody that you can open the word of God with? Who's the Lord got in your heart? Someone you can even give a word to. You know, and text them and say, this has been on my heart, I just want to give it to you. Send a text to them. I would get you to do it now, but we've got pizza coming soon, so um, we won't have a chance. But do it after pizza, I recommend it. The growth is down to him. But also we see that there is a certainty to the growth of the kingdom of God. Verse 28 says, all by itself the soil produces grain. All by itself, that's the Greek word automate, which, believe it or not, is our word automatic. Thank you. Um, So automatically, the soil produces grain. It produces fruits. Once the process starts, it is destined to be completed from planting all the way through to harvest. It is destined to be completed. It may not be spectacular. It may not be fast. But it is certain. And it is happening, and you may not see it. You may not see it in someone's life, but, but it is happening, and it is there because we know the word of God is the power, is where the power is. And once it's implanted in someone's heart, it will grow. God's kingdom didn't come like a tsunami. It didn't come impressively, quickly, and then just disappear. But it started with a homeless man from Nazareth who gathered 12 nobodies together. Did not look impressive at all. But now there's a billion professing Christians worldwide. Who'd have thought that that would happen? But it won't stop there. It won't stop until every single people group has heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Until everyone on the planet has heard it. But God will ensure the growth. We just need to be part of that plan. Are you part of that plan? Are you you part of sharing his good news with other people? Wouldn't it be brilliant just to be able to, when you're in heaven... I remember sharing the gospel with that person. I didn't see them for 30 years, but now they're in heaven. Knowing that you've been part of that and been used by the Lord, are you part of it? Are you part of it? Well, firstly, we see that we can have confidence that people will come to know Jesus because his light cannot be quenched. Secondly, his kingdom will grow with or without you. And then finally, we can have confidence that people will come to know Jesus because his kingdom is bigger than you think. And it includes all nations. Final parable. Jesus shows us where the kingdom of God is heading. He says this again. He said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? What parable shall we use to describe it? It is a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. But when it's planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. In, in, In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus talks about the mustard seed being um, about the amount of faith that you need, smallest amount of faith. Here he talks about, no, 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 this is the smallest seed in the known world that is starts small, looks unimpressive, and then what happens? It goes big, it goes massive. God's kingdom is bigger than you think. It will expand and grow from the smallest of beginnings, and it will become the greatest. It will become the greatest. You see, when Christ returns, it's going to be a different picture than when he came, isn't it? When he returns, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. His kingdom will come with glory and might and power and majesty. And for those that feel that they've laboured in vain, like that guy at the conference, like for William Carey, like for Adonai Judson, for anyone here, here at Oikos, thinking, oh, what fruit have I seen? There will be a day that we'll see those in heaven that we have faithfully laboured to. We will see some of them in heaven. Seven million Christians are in India. Three and a half million in 
Burma or Myanmar. In seven years of sowing one seed, or successfully sowing one seed, look what it's grown to. Who knows, or God knows what will happen in Erdington, doesn't he? But he is saving people in this community. He will save people in this community. We need to be faithfully part of this, to share his good news as light in this world. Look, I don't want us to, I'm not, it's not about us becoming a bigger church. It's not about that at all. But I want to pray for us, and our prayer for us as a church, my prayer for us as a church, is we would just continue to grow in faithfulness at doing what he has for us to do, wherever we may be, whether it's on our community nights, whether it's through any of the ministries that we do as the church here, as a cafe, whether it's you in your homes, whether it's you in your work, whatever it may be, let's just grow in being faithful and continuing faithful in sharing that good news of Jesus Christ and being light in those places. Because actually, the picture is not always what we think. Some of the interesting data that they, they had was actually how many people would say they're a Christian. And we know that phenomenal people that say, oh, I'll go to church at Christmas, I'll go to church at Easter, people that call themselves Christian, was 55% in 2015, and it's gone down to 48%, the data that they had. For 18 to 34-year-olds, 25% of 18 to 34-year-olds would say they're nominally Christian. So in 30, 40, 50 years' time, we can see that those that call themselves nominal Christians would be 25%. That's where it's going. But those that confess, uh, would say they're practicing Christians, no matter what age group it is, it remains at 6%. It's people that go to church and read their Bibles. Whether evangelical Christian or not, I think it's lower. Um, but people that would, that would say they're practicing Christians, that would say they know Jesus, that read the word and go to church, is at 6%. And that's across no matter what the age group is. So it's not falling, even though people that say they're nominal Christians is falling. That's not falling. So although the number is bleak, probably more than I thought, still means 94% of people aren't in a relationship with Jesus or more. But what was interesting as well is that it includes everybody. It includes everybody. Verse 32, yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. And that phrase, the birds that, can, uh, the birds that perch in its shade, is um, a reference, I believe, to the nations all being part of it. You read Psalm 104, Ezekiel 17, and Daniel 4. They use the same metaphor of the calling of the nation into God's people. And I have to say, the stats back it up. 25% of, the, um, 25% of ethnic minorities in the UK who would say they're nominal Christians, 25% of them, compared to 6% of white British, 25% of them would say they're practicing Christians. Nations that are coming towards us, to us, more and more and more of them are professing, practicing Christians. Try and explain that again. 48% of people in the UK are nominal Christians. 6% would say they're practicing. And then all the nations that have come to the UK, out of the ones that would say they're Christians, nominal Christians, 25% of them say that they are followers of Jesus. The nations are coming. The nations, more of the nations know him than, than our own um, 
than, than white British UK nationals. And so the kingdom is growing. It's bigger than we think. And we can praise him that it's growing. The kingdom of God may look small at the moment, and especially in our culture, but there will be a day where it will be huge and massive. It's massive in other countries and other cultures, isn't it? One day that will be the case here. We can have confidence that people will come to know Jesus because he is the light that cannot be quenched because his kingdom will grow with or without you and his kingdom is bigger than you think and it includes all nations. Revelation 7, what a great place to finish with. There's this. After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every tribe and nation and people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb, and they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. Father, we pray um, that your kingdom would come and grow, that we would see it. Lord, we we don't want to labour in vain, but Lord, we know we don't labour in vain because one day, ultimately, we will see the fruits of our labour. Lord, we we pray that we would be willing vessels for you to share your good news, to faithfully pray for people, to faithfully be involved in people's lives so that we can get to share the greatest news that there is. And I pray that we would be light wherever we go. And even tomorrow as we wake up in the morning, maybe dreary-eyed and tired, let us remember that we don't go anywhere alone. The light of the world is in us. We go, and we go into dark places, and we get to shine brightly. We don't want to hide you. We don't want to put you under a a bowl, but we want to put you front and center. Let people see something different about us. Let them see something different about our homes, about our family life, about the way we talk, about what we talk about. But let us never forget that it's you that does the work. Let us have confidence that the seed that we sow is the power is in that. Not in us, but in that. Give us a heart for the lost, or give us um, a heart for someone to get into the word with, to just share and open it. Send a verse to somebody. Let them become um, face-to-face with your living and active word, whether it's through a text or whether it's in person. Lord, give us boldness and give us joy in this great commission that you have given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.